Schrodinger's cat. This is a spoof on Schrodinger's cat, which the idea was if you had a cat in a box, you can't <laughs> know if the cat is alive or dead in the box. You have to give it some poison or something. I feel like you. Oh, yeah, right. You have a little bowl of. You po- totally just ended the joke now by talking about the real Schrodinger's well, cat. Well, I feel like people are just. Th- anyone who doesn't know Schrodinger's cat. They all have Google. April 6th. Among other things, I think the big exciting news today we're going to talk about is for the first time in Ontario, I think we're seeing a sign of the curve flattening or bending. Very exciting. But yes. we'll get to that. Headlines first. Headlines first. Okay. So I'm sure you've seen it unless you've been actively avoiding the news, but Boris Johnson was admitted to the ICU in Britain, which I found to be like a very unsettling thing for some reason. Yeah, I think that a head of state, a head of state could, I mean, I think that means he is in some sort of health trouble. Well, yes. Serious health trouble. Serious health trouble. Mm Mm-hmm. So we'll see what unfolds there, but hopefully he's one of the lucky ones that recovers. Mm -hmm. Um, There was some drama with 3M masks at the border of the U.S., U.S. into Canada border issues. So we had talked the other day about Trump trying to stop medical equipment from leaving the country. And I think those... Negotiations are ongoing. It sounded like there was an order of three million. No, it was five hundred thousand. No, they got corrected. Oh, the order was. I think the order was actually three million. Yes. That the federal government, it sounded like, had placed for a number of countries, or sorry, a number of provinces. Like I think they were sort Mm -hmm. of on behalf of provinces. The federal government was sort of getting all this stuff in, and they were going to redistribute. And of that, I think that what I understood is that that delivery got stopped at the border and they let through 500,000. That was my understanding. Uh, I understood that only 500,000 had been shipped okay. of the 3 million. Okay. And, and the 500,000 had been stopped. Uh, and but let and through. then were let through. Okay. So Doug Ford, yeah, he <coughs> was, he, I think made some comments this morning when people thought they were being blocked. So that's an ongoing issue, but at least it looks like half a million masks got through. It sounds like everyone, like all, you know, anyone in government right now is like figuring out who their best contacts are in the U.S. and like, you know, governors and like everybody and, and trying to call them and get getting them to lobby on behalf of Canada to make an exception for Canada in this whatever this Mm -hmm. thing is that Trump's instated. And also on the topic of borders, so I think because the outbreak is really picking up in Michigan and Detroit specifically, and there's a lot of people that live in Windsor that work in Detroit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people that work in Detroit and Windsor and so the hospitals, I think, now are asking them to choose, mm. pick which system you're going to work in. Uh. You can't work in both. Right. They're not 
really thinking about stopping like forcefully stopping the flow or closing the border mm-hmm. um <coughs> but but um yeah globe and mail so they're being asked to choose seven four sorry i'm just going to update the 3m mask thing mm-hmm. at 740 3m announces deal to resume exporting n95 respirators to canada boom breaking wow. news people That's breaking news very exciting two hours ago that was good. I mean, yeah, because Ford even said, like, we're down to, like, a week's worth of, I don't know what he said exactly, PPE in general. Yeah. I don't know which is the limiting, most limited quantity, but that is very good news. I get the feeling it's these N95s that are the most, the critical, like, the lowest yeah. ones that aren't, there aren't enough of. Yeah, that could be. Okay, numbers. Let's talk about some numbers. Yes, the good news. I saw two good graphs today. And now when we're talking about numbers, if you listen to this podcast, you know that we think the Ontario um, confirmed cases data is useless (laughs) because it's not testing nearly widely enough and missing probably 95% of cases. And so you need to look at the hospitalization data or the death data and of those two i think the hospitalization data is the best Mm -hmm. um because i think we're missing deaths also Mm -hmm. because we're only counting confirmed like they first so the testing limitation still yeah it still applies to deaths yeah so for mostly in long-term care homes because that's probably the only place where you're going to have deaths um that wouldn't have come into the hospital because the weird rule is because the weird rule is once they have what is it three people in a nursing home that have tested positive for COVID 19 they they stop testing they call it an outbreak and they just assume anyone then beyond that is part of the same outbreak yeah but but they still don't get counted we're not counting probable cases then it doesn't seem that they're counted because um reporters and people who are tracking this very closely and keeping their own data from public health units are noticing that their numbers are higher than Ontario's official reported numbers. So that's all to say that the most trustworthy numbers in Ontario are the ICU data, Mm -hmm. I think, in terms of are things getting better or worse. So I'm looking at a website here called COVID-19 Mod Collab. COVID-19-mc.ca slash home, in case you're interested. We'll put the link in. It's a collaboration (coughs) between students and profs at University of Toronto, University Health Network, Sunnybrook Hospital, and they have an update (coughs) from yesterday with data as of April 3rd that shows a bar graph for confirmed and suspected hospitalized cases. Mm -hmm. No, ICU cases. Mm -hmm. Confirmed and suspected. That's, to me, that's the gold standard standard Mm -hmm. of data. Mm -hmm. And so if I look at this curve, like for the last four 
five days even, mm-hmm. it's pretty flat. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's great. It's great. I yeah. I don't know what other word. Yeah. No. I think we're to p- use. And, I mean, if you and then this. So I guess now I, I didn't know who was feeding this data, but Sunnybrook being one of the people that fed that data. So Avril Mansfield works at Sunnybrook and she, I guess, gets these updates from for their hospital regularly. And she put together her own graph, which makes the drop over the last two th- or three days even more dramatic. It makes it look like, um, yeah, the number of the number of patients, not just ICU, but also acute care um, long-term care patients i think i think this is what this is saying it's saying uh, all the patients uh, yeah sharing the yeah it so looks that's just for sunnybrook that's just for sunnybrook but also like it has a, a more dramatic drop even but this is lo- smaller numbers of people we're talking about like in the dozens of mm-hmm. patients maybe like a 12 to 14 patients and and yeah but there's a drop Certainly. Thanks for sending us that graph, Avril. <laughs> Very exciting, though. Yeah, but then if you look at the confirmed cases, though, the confirmed cases aren't quite as flat. They have this little jump at the end, which isn't ex- totally clear why that is, if it's a real jump or if it's just people whose test results have come back positive and so they've moved from suspected to confirmed i think that must be what happened um so anyways the icu data looks really good it looks pretty flat but i think that we're not really out of the woods yet because as our favorite epidemiologist david (laughs) fisman keeps saying is that we had this these big lump of travelers come back especially from florida yeah um, that pose a risk to our numbers at this point and they could just cause a sudden a sudden spike. Sure. But right now, for the first time that I've seen data, it yeah. looks it's very like hopeful. It's very hopeful. It's very hopeful. No, this is this is I think everyone was hoping to see things start to happen at the end of last week and this is the first yeah, I'd say this is a And I mean, well, you could have started to see it four or five days ago, but you don't know if you're seeing it until you've seen it a few days for yeah. a few days, right? That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So now we have. Yeah. Moving on. Um, w- I had said a while ago that the thing that I was trying to wrap my head around based on the impact of COVID-19 but based on the projected the number of people that are likely to get it, I don't know, I guess over the next year or two or whatever, is that we're all probably going to end up knowing someone who has had it or is, you know, goes to the hospital for it, maybe dies from it. And we now have two potential personal connections. One, where I don't think either of these is confirmed, like COVID-19, but I think the family friend, uh, a friend of, a family member of mine, passed away what? recently i thought it was a friend of your family member a friend of the family member yes yeah that that's what i meant to say mm-hmm. um and and um and also uh, a friend of ours seems like yeah 
friend of ours. Actually, three. A I friend also of ours is just having some symptoms. A friend of ours has some symptoms. Yeah. Uh, and the, there's a third one that I'd heard about a while ago, which I can't really talk about. But, yeah. Within the circle. And it's um, it's definitely, yeah. It's it, we're, we're all going to have these personal connections. But those are the first three, I guess, of for us. Hmm. Yeah. It's a really weird feeling when it comes crashing into your bubble. Mm-hmm. Um, I listened to something really good the other day. I was listening to the podcast Radio Lab, which is a great science podcast that for some reason I haven't listened to in a long time. And they're doing some reporting around COVID-19 and they have all these interesting takes on it and um there was a good interview with an oncologist who has a family member who's in hospital right now with COVID-19 and and she just has some really good reflections on on death I guess because Mm -hmm. she's an oncologist so she's been present at so many deaths and Mm -hmm. she echoed um, our observation and many people's observation that that this is a cruel disease because it causes so many people to be lonely mm-hmm. at the end of their life and um, it was a very sad interview but a very like what's the word I don't know real it was real she was speaking very honestly mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're looking for good things to listen to, Radio Lab. Mm-hmm. Um, Do you want me to go to? Yes. One of those bottom ones. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the little thing, you know, thinking about all the impacts. So one of the things we want, I think, the government. The federal government definitely, and I think provincially as well, everyone recognizes as we don't want small and medium-sized businesses just to just to disappear. However long this thing lasts for, p- there's a risk, a real risk, if they if we don't help them from pub with through with public funding, that they won't be around when we finally dig ourselves out of this, and the economy is going to be much worse off. There's just going to be fewer jobs out there. Even even though there are layoffs happening now, the there's I think a lot of people have the assumption that those jobs will come back. But if all the businesses just collapse, then we're going to be in a big hole. And so there's a lot of good I think federally and provincially plans to try to mitigate that. But one of the gaps there is I guess is the federal program I think requires a thirty percent drop in revenue year over year so you have to have shown from like i guess a year ago that you had a certain revenue number and this year's revenue number is much lower so that doesn't really help any company that is less than like a year old you might have just been Mm -hmm. if you've just invested a whole ton and i think you were using this example for like restaurants as well if you just started a restaurant you've just put in a huge outlay to like i don't know renovate a new space or something and you've got this and you're just expecting things to start ramping up with revenue I don't think you uh, get any of the wage um, that 75% wage 
mm-hmm. subsidy or whatever it is that that to help yeah. keep paying your employees. Not to mention that these businesses aren't getting any help with like rent or debt or any like costs that continue in the absence of revenue. Yeah. Other than wage. Yeah. So. So the you know there's a there's a real risk that a whole bunch of these smaller newer businesses are going to be the first to drop off even though that some of them could be more promising and there I are think some not i think you don't even have to be new you don't have to be new but i mean i'm saying that are in risk of dropping off no no I of think course just any small any small business rent to pay yeah 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 no certainly i mean i guess at least they have some help right some of these business like the 75 yeah. percent wage thing doesn't help a restaurant because they you know they're scaling back the hours that they would be giving their employees anyways so that's not going to help very much either way but but the yeah it is there a need and maybe they'll get there is there a need to try to measure impacts on startups or businesses less than a year old in a different way might it might come you know there was some discussion on twitter about that and i thought i thought there's one of the companies that is involved with toronto that came out of toronto rehab that someone was making this point that they won't be eligible for any of the any of the benefits and their company is going to be in trouble yes and that reminds me of something I was going to say about the Canada Emergency Response Benefit, which mm. is the $2,000 a month to workers that have lost their job. Yeah. So that has a whole two, mm. which Trudeau is saying they're going to try and patch. Right. But basically, it requires you to have lost your job entirely for at least two weeks um, before you can access this money. But there's various freelancers and healthcare workers and people mm-hmm. all over who have had like substantial income drops like of say seventy percent, ninety percent, yeah, but not a hundred percent, right? And they don't seem to be eligible, right, for any of this yeah. money. You have to be fully out <coughs> of job. Yeah. yeah. So, I think Trudeau. I think Trudeau, because today was the first day that it opened. Yeah. I meant to say this in the headlines. Today was the first day you could apply, and so people were applying and not getting it and yeah. getting upset. And so I think Trudeau Is said recogni- they're going to try and do something. Recognizing that? That's good. Kind of like an iterative thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that you showed that gra- graph, right? About oh the, yeah. That was the U.S., though, that wasn't was it? That was the U.S. But there's a great <coughs> graph... It's a v- great visualization. Animated Do you want to explain yeah. it? Uh, whatever. Go ahead. You found okay. it. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's an animated graph showing, I think, unemployment applications in the U.S. over the decades. And so I, I couldn't even see the x-axis that well, but it probably started in about the 1950s or something. Mm-hmm. And so there's just this little red dot that's like moving up and down and drawing this graph that's like goes up and down as unemployment goes up and down through you the see decades. And you see pretty big spikes, which I guess yeah. mark the different recessions as yeah. you know, gone by. Yeah. And it's going up and down, up and down. And then it gets to now. And the little red dot just goes up, 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 up. And the, and the y-axis has to grow, grow, grow. And all the data that you that you've seen drawn to this point just shrinks, starts to look like a flat line, basically, mm-hmm. as the number 
of unemployment applications today just rockets into the sky mm -hmm. many 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 times higher than mm -hmm. they've ever seen before it's yeah unreal the last time I heard the numbers, and this is like a week old probably, it was like 3.3 .3 million people had applied for unemployment in the States, and the previous high was 750,000. Yeah. And it's been more since, definitely more since I've heard that number. Yeah. It's just a scale which is extremely hard to to get a gut feeling of. But is it like... Yeah, is it only going to last for like six months? Like, will th will eighty percent of those people get their job back in six I months? Mean not if the small the small businesses collapse. Yeah, exactly. There's another. There, I should put this link into just so I have record of it. Kevin Smith, who's the CEO of UHN, posted a great link, a similar visualization where he said he hates when people compare. You know, we're comparing. COVID-19 to the flu or other diseases mm -hmm. or this is something that happens I guess with as uh, Peter Donnelly did in the press conference yeah, yeah exactly oh. yeah I mean he's he didn't point fingers but yeah Anyways. I think he might have been like responding to something like that subtweeting <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> throwing shade where yeah basically it shows so it has like the top 15 causes of death and you see COVID-19 right at the bottom and it goes through and animates as it goes from like, I can't remember exactly, like March 1st on. And you see it, how quickly it goes up through the, d the top 15 things, quickly just flying past mm -hmm. flu, which is somewhere in the, I'm going to say top 10 maybe in that range. But it just flies past that. And it's, it's not just about the absolute number. It's about how yeah. quickly it's growing, obviously, right? Yeah. That's, I think that's what... It's about the context. It's about, yeah, it's, it's not today. Maybe it's not the number of people it's affecting, but what is the potential for it to affect? I think yeah. it's, it's so, it's so easy for us to not see that, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, we saw that, but Denial I'm saying. Denial is a powerful thing, but like, it doesn't take a whole lot of numbers to be like, yeah. Oh, expletive. It's just an easy way to spin something if you want to, yeah. right? It's just an easy way to say, look, this is, you know, it's mm -hmm. a way to point at data for people that yes. want, you know. And if you don't think really hard about it, maybe you even accept it without mm -hmm. thinking too hard about it. Yeah. yeah. I just can't believe that so many people in the media and not really... More the U.S. media, I'm thinking of when I say this, hmm. but constantly made those kind of comparisons and minimize it. Whereas if you give it like five or ten minutes of thought, mm -hmm. I just don't see how you can come to that conclusion, which makes me think they did not give it five or ten minutes of thought. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Anyways, everybody understands now, I think. Mm. Oh, no, except for you were going to talk about Louisiana. You want me to do that now? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, there's a church in Louisiana who I think the pastor was fined because they held a, held a gathering, uh, I don't know how long ago, I guess maybe two weeks ago. And then last week held another service. They're busing people in. Um, and the, they use this line again, which I, I said I was going to look up and then I didn't look up who said it, but I think it's Winston Churchill. Fear that, 
The only thing to fear is fear itself. And that's what the pastor said, right? Don't fear this virus is what he was trying to tell his congregation. And uh, I just think that statement is wrong. Whoever said, if, if it is Winston Churchill, he was wrong. Because there <laughs> is there is real threats that you should fear. And that fear, Tanya's going to look it up because it's, we can find out who was wrong. That's that's my opinion. I think that's just a wrong. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Oh, it was FDR. Okay. FDR said it. There you go. He's still wrong. <laughs> 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 I like FDR. Uh, he'll never know. Okay. I don't I don't have any more things on Oh you're oh sorry, okay. I thought you had other things on your list. Okay. The last thing uh right. In general I was thinking about what are the you know, like after SARS we now have like what are the things that are gonna change that are just gonna change forever? And like after SARS we we did better at hand washing and alcohol gel. And that's like every hospital now has alcohol gel dispensers as soon as you walk in. What are the things that we're going to change as we go into the future after this? One of the things I feel like might be shifting is enter on is entertainment night, like talk shows, Jimmy Fallon, the other Jimmy Kimmel, how they're doing things. Will we ever go back to that style of, them sitting at a desk interview show with an audience awkward interview shows where they all pretend laugh at everyone's pretend <laughs> jokes like it just it, it, it's all planned out and versus what's i don't know you're seeing some really creative things happen now it seems as they're all moving to youtube and shooting it from their home every yeah yeah and maybe getting 90 percent or 80 percent of the value with like 10 percent of the cost associated with what they used to do and i stumbled across uh john krasinski with his own addition to the youtube talk shows it's kind of a spoof talk show um john krasinski played jim on the office if you don't know and so he made <laughs> this show called some good news sgn and it looks like his kids like colored in the mm -hmm. letters really cute and he and it's just like good news he's just trying to do good news mm -hmm. but it is like he's only done two episodes but it is kind of covid related like a lot of the good news has to do with like people cheering on healthcare workers or getting them supplies or whatever and the episode today he had this little girl on via zoom and she was supposed to go see Hamilton for her birthday or something but of course it was canceled and so he had Lin-Manuel Miranda and the whole cast of Hamilton sing her her favorite song over Zoom mm -hmm. and it was so cute mm -hmm. so yeah SGN that's yeah I haven't seen much of his stuff but uh, I'm gonna watch it um, Samir Colin and Samir a couple of YouTubers that talk a lot about what's going on on YouTube and they've noted one thing that when you know you have Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon Jimmy Kimmel all of them doing their shows from home the difference in the kind of quality levels and creativity that they all put in they, they I thought they did an interesting kind of analysis of that and and all of their videos sound and 
and uh, look and sound worse than most YouTubers now. Yeah. Like it's what's really interesting. Because <laughs> like they're not used to doing it <laughs> on their own. Yeah. But, uh, but it's interesting that now all of a sudden YouTube is the place where everyone's uploading what used to be on TV. Yeah. So yeah. That's although I think Seth Meyers said his show is still being aired. They're airing the it still. The one that he records of in his home. Right. I, I don't, we don't have TV, so I can't check that. Anyways, okay. Is that our whole list? I think that's it. Okay, so then I have a joke. Mm -hmm. So this was a joke that I had found a while ago, and I thought it was too nerdy to read. <laughs> but then my friend <laughs> Suzanne sent it to me today. So then it was fair game. And so I guess if there's two people that think it's funny in this world, then I'm going to go for it. Yeah. All right. Here we go. So we all have Schrodinger's virus now because we cannot get tested. We can't know whether we have the virus or not. We have to act as if we have the virus so that we don't spread it to others. And we have to act as if we've never had the virus because if we didn't have it, we're not immune. Therefore, we both have and don't have the virus. Thus, Schrodinger's virus. <laughs> And then it ends by saying, if you don't understand this joke, you're never allowed to talk about science again. <laughs> <laughs> That's not <laughs> Which really fair. I don't agree with. That's not fair. Yeah. You can just look it up. I mean, Schrodinger's cat is a spoof on Schrodinger's cat, which the idea was if you had a cat in a box, you can't <laughs> know if the cat is alive or dead in the box. And you have to give it some poison or something. I feel like you... Oh, yeah, right. You have a little bowl of... You totally just undid the joke now by talking about the real Schrodinger's well, cat. Well, I feel like people are just... Anyone who doesn't know Schrodinger's cat... They all have Google. Fair enough. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> just Google it. Just Google Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> you'll know. Okay. Okay. I think we're done. We're done. Good, Good night. night.